0: Two more regular season games, one more here at UBS Arena. How does this rank for you in playoff pushes, the excitement of this building and the fans' involvement over the last couple of games? Yeah, I mean, it's been unbelievable. It's a lot better than Vancouver, I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> Thanks, Bo. Thank you. Guys. <laughs> well, he knows what his
1: zip code's going to be for the next eight years, so why not?
0: Match lit throw boom that was the weekend in Vancouver welcome to the program so that's Bo Horvat uh, in conversation with Shannon Hogan uh, of the New York Islanders broadcast and there has been this morning a, uh, a correction I suppose a using ironic quotation marks apology uh, of sorts or maybe a clarification that's a better way to say it there has been a clarification from Bo Horvat today this uh, courtesy of our friend Kevin Kurz who covers the Islanders for the Athletics so he asked Bo Horvat if uh, he was surprised that his comments the other night went viral, here's the answer. Listen carefully, not so much to who he talks about, but who he doesn't. Bohorvat quote: "I wasn't obviously expecting that. Come on, just as my first editorial. <laughs> come on, I was born at night, Bo, but I wasn't born last night. Anyway." Back to the correction. I wasn't obviously expecting that. It was kind of a heat of the moment thing. I didn't mean any disrespect to the fans of Vancouver or my teammates or the city of Vancouver at all. Something missing there. Can't quite put my finger on it. Anyway, it wasn't directed at them at all. The Islanders fans were all excited and I was excited to be in a playoff push. It was just kind of one of those things where my emotions got the best of me. I was just really happy to be there, to be honest with you. It might have come out the wrong way to a lot of people, so I apologize for that. I'm just excited to be in the position right now to be in a playoff push, to be right there. I really enjoyed my time in Vancouver. I'm not trying to disrespect them at all. I'm sorry if it offended anybody, but I'm really happy to be in this position right now. I'm really happy to be here. I just wanted to express that it maybe, like I said, came out the wrong way to a lot of people. Again, let's rewind the beginning of that. I didn't mean any disrespect to the fans of Vancouver or my teammates or the city of Vancouver at all. So this wasn't a shot at the fans. This wasn't a shot at teammates. It wasn't a shot at the city. Who is Bo Horvat leaving out here? Who could Bo Horvat harbor resentment for? The Vancouver Canucks organization. Not the fans. Nope. Mention them. Not the teammates. Nope. We're out of his way to mention them. Not the city. It's a beautiful city. I can't quite put my finger on this one who Bo Horvat was... Directing those comments at... Uh, anyhow, today's uh, QOD we'll spend a lot of time with today. And, uh, and that is... Okay, so it is the last week of the season. By the way, tonight's an interesting night. Ten games on the go around the NHL this evening. And each game could have some effect on the playoffs. Either teams participating or um, the seeding of various teams. Like, every game tonight has an implication. Ten games. Six of them start at 7 o'clock Eastern. I know, but let's remember, this is still very much a butts-in-the-seats, live-event, gate-driven sport. I get it. I understand. I'm like you. Generally, if you're listening or watching this show, you do a lot. You're watching multiple screens all at the same time, and you're jumping back and forth between games, and you'd probably appreciate some staggering here. It's not that league, folks. Uh, six games starting at seven o'clock Eastern. One at nine. One at nine thirty. One at ten, and one at ten thirty. So the question of the day is: Here we are, um, the last week of the season, as we titled our podcast that came out this morning. Five more days. So the Q of the D, QOD is: What was the biggest story of the season for you? And you know, there's an interesting one here that comes from uh, Patrick Weed as a hashtag Blackhawks fan. Accepting the fact that the last two home games could be Taves' ride off into the sunset, the captain went down with the ship. That's a really good way of putting it. The captain went down with the ship. I am firmly of the belief that Jonathan Taves wants to continue to play hockey. Uh, I am also of the very much belief that uh, his salary will no longer be in double digits. Uh, That ship has sailed, but he's become a very wealthy man in the process. Not that I think that's what this is all about. For Jonathan Daves, um, but I do believe he still does want to keep playing and you know what maybe when you consider the nature of how much the Blackhawks and their Stanley Cup championships help rejuvenate that marketplace and I know there has been a dark cloud over that organization since um, specifically last season. I don't know that we uh, that we really sold the uh, this could be the end for Jonathan Taves in Chicago story enough this season. But Patrick brings up a good point. Uh, the captain has gone down with his ship. The final two games could be the last two of Taves in uh, in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform. Uh, the Couch GM submits this one. McDavid hitting one hundred and fifty points. Yes. And also, Jay Woodcroft, as uh, the Couch GM, if that is indeed your real name, submits. Uh, Woodcroft mentioned this on our podcast, and I think about it often. Woodcroft saying, we can't be numb to what he's doing because we don't know if we'll ever see something like this again. And then finishes off with, the day after he does it, all people want to talk about is a U of T goalie who played one minute in the NHL in a blowout game. Fair, fair point, the Couch GM, again, if that is indeed your real name. Elliot Friedman on the other side. Let's get going.
1: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to the program. Uh, Also coming up on the show today, let me grab my schedule here. Ken Weeb's going to stop by. I think Winnipeg's got a big one tonight, folks. Uh, Yes. Jets, Flames, like there's a, there's a number. Oh, I'm going to get to that in a second. Uh, Adam Fantilli is going to join me at the bottom of the hour here. University of Michigan forward wins a Hobie Baker as a freshman. Uh, David Amber, the host of Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. And as I mentioned, Ken Weeb, but the weekend that was uh, for the Winnipeg Jets and that absolutely huge victory over the Nashville Predators on Saturday. And we'll pretty much ask everybody here. Uh, what their story of the season has been as we are now into the final week of the regular season. Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joins me now. Hello, Fridge.
1: That's a good guess, Adam Fentilli.
0: Yeah, he's coming up at the bottom. There's a lot there. Like I, uh, again, I'm, I'm going to try to not get too hockey geeky with uh, yeah, with good Fantilli, luck with that. but he, I mean I've I know I know like I've watched him since he played in the in the G with uh, the Red Wings and OHL Cup against the O three uh, Don Mills Flyers et cetera et cetera and Chicago Steel and he played for uh, played for a legendary coach um, Angelo Centra, Centenaro. Now, he was also a pro player. He played in the Scottish League, and he was pretty tough, and he used to play with a black eye occasionally. And in solidarity, the Scottish fans would take shoe polish and put a black eye under either the left or right eye, depending on (laughs) where he had the black eye for that game in solidarity. So this is going to be hockey geek out stuff here coming up at the bottom with uh, Adam Fantilli. In the meantime, Elliot, let me start with you on the QOD. What has been the biggest story... For you is it the obvious maybe boston bruins and their 63 wins what has it been for you this year
1: i i think there's there's a few i think that the uh, bruins and the 63 wins i think mcdavid and the 150 points um there have been some, like you know carlson getting to 100 points and and the whole norris trophy debate i think is going to be a big one uh too um you know i, I think If the summer counts, and it counts as the 22-23 season, I think, you know, Calgary's summer, um, you know, what the the moves they had to make and everything they did, I think that was a big story. Um, If you're looking for more of, I don't know if a negative story is the right way to look at it, or just a, a story that we all had to deal with, it's probably the pride jerseys. But, you know, as you know, I like to look at life as positively as I possibly can. So I think about McDavid. uh, I think about the uh, the Bruins. And, um, you know, if Carlson gets to 100, um, he's, you know, I mean, it's going to be a year. Like, we've all been screaming for more goals and more offense in this game. And this year, we've certainly gotten it.
0: And, you know, the question then becomes, will this continue? Like, right, I mean, it had been advantage goaltender for the longest time, and now I think with the combination of, you know, loosening of rules and actually coaching offense and skills coaches for players and specifically, you know, shooting coaches and, you know, more coaching on pre-shot movement, et cetera, et cetera, right now it's advantage players. We don't know how long this is going to last. But, well, you know, I, I think, right I now think it's one uh, of the things, Jeff, uh, yeah, sorry.
1: I think one of the things, Jeff, right now is the goalies are the ones that have to adjust. Uh, I think that the, you know, you're right about that. Like, players, like, I, I remember when I first started working at Hockey Night, I, I remember asking young goalies about um, what it was like to come to the NHL, and they would say that, the, that the, the biggest difference is that everybody in the NHL can shoot the puck, right? And I think that's only gotten even more pronounced. I think that... With, this, with the skills coaches you mentioned and the decline of the player who fought and did nothing else, there are everybody is full of players who have tremendous skill. And I think the goalies like we see so many bad goals go in now with the RVH. We see so many um, like a goalie will, will hug the post and they'll have like two inches open, and a player will put the puck in there. And I think it's it, I think the goalie coaches now and the goalies themselves, they're going to have to um, change the way or, or are in the process of changing the way that goalies play these kinds of shots. Because like, the one thing about Kelly, Kelly says those are not bad goals. And while I disagree with him on some level, because we all know Kelly's a big goalie apologist, I understand what he's trying to say. <laughs> he's trying to say that, Um, the shooters are so good that they can put it there. And I think that's true, but I think the goalies have to adjust to the shooters now. It's on them to find a new way to fend against this because they're going to keep getting beaten for years and years and years the way that these guys can shoot the puck.
0: You know, the other thing is, too, um, the draft class every year is producing players with a high skill set. And even in the salary cap era, just by way of economic necessity, you kind of always had to have players on entry-level deals in your lineup just to make your cap work. Um, and you sort of say, okay, these guys aren't going to do much, but we need, them. we need players on entry-level deals in our lineup because we're paying our top dogs so much. Now those players are producing. Like, they're stepping in. Yeah. Like, and I think of Jason Robertson right away, and he might be the most obvious one. Um, you know, Robert, Robertson steps in, and he's filling the net, and he's going to be a Rocket Richard threat now for, for his entire career. And the other thing is, and I always say this whenever I go to a game, like, almost at every single level, Elliot, man, there are no more bad skaters in hockey. You remember once upon a time, you'd go and watch a game, and you'd be like, yeah, this guy really blazes. This guy can't skate. Oh, this guy's ugly to watch get around the arena. Like, there are some players that are slower than others, but I don't know that I see bad skaters anywhere anymore for each.
1: You know, I think that's a, that's a great point. And, you know, like one of the most influential, I think, figures in, in hockey over the last few years has been Barb Underhill. And, you know, Brian yes. Boyle, uh, you know, he's not playing this year, although I saw a story this weekend where he said, I'm not retired, like don't call me retired. But Brian Boyle going to Barb Underhill, Um, you know, 15 years ago was, I think low key, one of the biggest developments that happened in hockey because Brian Boyle was a first round pick who didn't look like he was going to make it. And here's this six foot eight massive guy who goes to a figure skater and says, can you help me improve? And, uh, and I think that when people saw what that did for Brian Boyle's career, um, that knocked down barriers. Like, Jeff Skinner was another guy. He took – everybody knows that he took figures. You yeah. oh, know, the, the ice cream truck is going by me, Jeff. I, you know, this is, this is a big challenge for me to say <laughs> no to ice cream right in the middle of this hit. Uh, but I'm going to do it. Like, you know, I'm going to do what's best for the radio station.
0: Wow. Um, what a pro. Yeah. What a pro yeah, you are, Breeze. Wow. I,
1: I, I don't want the audio of me ordering ice cream on a fan <laughs> loop, Sportsnet loop forever. Anyway, like like Brian Boyle – Brian Boyle, like just that that happening, like I, I think it changed the way that players looked at this, and uh, and yeah. and I agree with you. Now I think you get degrees of skaters. I I, I think there are people who really break down stride. Yes. They they say like, oh, does this player have a good stride? Does this player have good skating mechanics? But you're right, nobody's a bad skater. By the way, too, and Jeff, even the ones that are like, a, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But I was gonna say. Big stories in hockey still to come. Like, I, 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 we didn't mention Connor Bedard. And I think that, you know, Bedard at the World Juniors, and tonight there's a Game 7 against Saskatoon in the Western Hockey League playoffs. I think that's going to be the, one of the biggest stories at the end of the year. That night, May 8th of the lottery, that's going to be one of the biggest nights of the NHL
0: season. It's going to make a franchise. Yeah, we've seen yeah. it before. That is going to help make a franchise and help a franchise turn the corner. Okay, um, I started the show by playing the uh, the Bo Horvat Shannon Hogan interview uh, posting yeah. from the other day, um, and there has been a I don't want to call it so much of an apology as much as a clarification. And essentially, I'm not sure if you read the uh, if you read the uh, the response, but um, it's an apo- it's a clarification where Bo, Bo Horvat says he wasn't trying to disrespect fans, teammates, or the city. And he very specifically stopped there. And we yeah. talked about this on the podcast. And th- this is like the, the frustration still that he feels about how, just to be blunt, how management treated him going back to last summer and the contract negotiations. The, uh, the clarification by Horvat today does not surprise me at all because I didn't think for one second he was disrespecting fans or teammates or the city at all.
1: Well, you know, I, I think one of the things that happened was, and I really do believe this, you know, I don't think he thought that was going to go anywhere. I think he thought that that was just something for the Islanders fans to pump up the Islander fans. And then all of a sudden it goes viral. And uh, like, you know, you, 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 it, like there, there's probably somebody in like uh, uh, New Delhi right now talking about Vancouver and everybody's now in Vancouver is acutely aware of it. Like they are hyper-aware of anybody saying anything about their team in their city. And, like, he, he, thought, he, was, he thought he was praising his fans. He, I bet you he never thought that that was going to go viral, and all of a sudden it does. Like, I don't think Horvat needs to apologize or clarify. Like, I don't see the need for it. I, I understand why it happens. People get overly sensitive. Um, you know, online now is the mob, and you can't control the mob. There are things that go online, and I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be a disaster, and it goes nowhere. And there are things that go online, and you sit there and you say, nobody's going to care about this, and the next day it's got 47 billion engagements, and it's just a gigantic <laughs> like, that Like, that's the problem. Like, uh-huh. you cannot predict how the mob is going to react. So I, I think people get sensitive to it. I don't think Horvat owed anybody an apology. I don't, like... I think he said it. So what? Like, big deal. Like, to me, like, he can decide yeah. how he wants to handle it, the way he wants to handle it. But I don't know. Like, I said it Saturday. I said it on the podcast. I'll say it again. This is what makes people vanilla, is that you can't say anything without feeling the need to clarify or apologize, and it becomes less of a hassle not to say anything at all and I wish we weren't like that. I think there's I think there's things out there that legitimately people should be upset at or pissed off at and want to try to fix like real real world problem things and we're wasting our energy being upset about this. It's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be entertaining, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to result in what this resulted in.
0: That's why it's entertainment. It distracts us from our regular lives. Uh, A couple of games for tonight. Um, There's some beauties. Um, uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey. We've got the Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Like There's ramifications for all these games tonight. Ten games uh, on the go, and they all have an effect on the playoff picture. That's unique. Uh, We have the West Side Story Jets and Sharks uh, tonight. We also have the Nashville Predators and the Calgary Flames. Let's start with the West here, and the West is fascinating um the Winnipeg Jets have three games remaining one point up on Calgary uh the Flames one point back two games left they're at 90 points the Jets are at 91 Nashville three points out with three games left they need to win out clean and need help from the out-of-town scoreboard uh this is coming down to Jets and Flames here after Nashville's loss against Winnipeg on Saturday is it not
1: I think so I mean like Nashville needs a lot of things to go their way if they had won on Saturday night, they, they, they were kind of in control. But now, you know, they, they, they have a lot of things that need to go their way. I, I think the, the biggest thing about the Jets is, all right, you've had chances to end this before. Like, there have been various times where the Winnipeg Jets playoff-o-meter in terms of percentage has gotten pretty high, and they've always come back to the group. They've never been able to do it. There is no excuse with San Jose in town tonight <laughs> to let this one get away from them. Uh, San Jose is done. Uh, they're not. They, they have nowhere near the same sense of urgency that the Jets have tonight. You, you, know, you have to win this one. Like you, 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 you basically know if you get three points in three games, regardless of what Calgary does, it's yours. You can't depend on... Someone else to take care of the business. You have to take care of the business yourself. And look, like in the last week, we saw them do it to Detroit, we saw them do it to New Jersey, yep. and we saw them do it to Nashville. There's no excuse for them not to do it to the Sharks tonight. None. Uh,
0: Eastern Conference, two games left uh, for the Florida Panthers, Islanders, and Pittsburgh Penguins, four games remaining. Uh, for the Buffalo Sabres. They are 6 back of the New York Islanders. Buffalo's in action against the Rangers. Devin Levi looks like he gets a start again uh, against Mr. Sturkin. That's your goalie matchup tonight in that one. It is the Islanders uh, and the Washington Capitals. Florida Panthers uh, at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the Alex Lyons story continues uh, saving the season for the Cats there. The Pittsburgh Penguins uh, sitting idle tonight. But uh, again, they have the two games remaining. Right now, the Penguins... As we all know, we're on the outside by one point looking in here. Uh, there is very little, if any, margin for error anywhere. Like, I look at the Western Conference and that point that the Calgary Flames squandered against the Vancouver Canucks, that is massive. No one here in this race can afford to squander one single point either. Uh, the Panthers and the Maple Leafs, the Sabres and the Rangers, the Islanders and the Washington Capitals, big ones in the East tonight, Fridge.
1: I think the one I'll be watching the most is the Panthers because they're the team that can clinch. You know, if things go a certain way tonight, they can clinch a playoff first. And the other thing, too, is they had a game against Toronto at home just about 10 days ago, and they got probably. So there's, there's a lot for, there's a lot in this one for Florida. It, it goes back to what we've been talking about, Jeff. Are you the master of your own domain? And same thing we just said with Winnipeg. Can you take care of your business? Do you do it yourself, or do you need someone else to do it for you? And just like the Jets tonight, uh, the Panthers are in a position where they can take care of their own business. They can, they can put themselves into the playoffs. The, the entertainer in me wants these races to go as long as they possibly can, but you have to be in a situ- situation where you take care of these, this yourself, and the Panthers have the opportunity to do that tonight.
0: You know, yesterday, Elliot, you and I were in Ottawa. Um, you and Amel had your flights canceled, so you uh, you drove back in the wee, wee, <laughs> yeah. wee hours as as Amel edited edited the podcast on the on the road. Uh, thank you, as always, Amel, uh, dedicated to his profession. Um, and I want to ask you about the Carolina hurricane. So we sat down with Yasper uh, Kudkinyemi. Um, Jordan Martinuk, Paul Stastny, you did a one-on-one with Rod Brindamore. Congratulations to the Brindamore family, Skyler, Quinnipiac, the Bobcats. Big weekend for them. They're uh, national champions. Uh, what a game. What a comeback. All of it. Um, what do you think of the Carolina Hurricanes this season? I mean, they have kind of been bits uh, by injuries. We think of Max Pacioretty. We think of uh, Andre Svechnikov as well. But, you know, after sitting down with a couple of their, their, their players, uh, where are you at on the Carolina Hurricanes tonight? They'll face off against the uh, the Ottawa Senators.
1: Well, I, just to say, it, Jeff, you would have loved this. But uh, so after the uh, after the early morning interviews between the ones we did with the three players and, and the wait for Brindamore, I, uh, I, I checked into the hotel and got a day room and took a nap. And on the way back down, after I got into the elevator and caught Kaniemi, Tara Taravinan. Uh, Yarvey and Lanta were going for a sauna. Like, talk about it like just a hilarious, uh, interaction. The like, it was really funny. Yeah. The, the, like, it was the, fi- it was, the, the
0: finish elevator ride.
1: <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, anyway, uh, but you know, I, I think that's a group that, um, like, the one of the things that Brennan Moore talked about is like, no excuses, right? You, you, yes, the reality is that they lost two really important players. And, you know, like, unfortunately, especially in Svechnikov's case, it, it happened after the deadline, so there was really nothing you could do about it. And, but, the, you know, the one thing, the thing that he talks about, and I do, and other teams have talked about it with them, is that the Hurricanes play a style, the way they pressure you, the way they forecheck you, that it's, it's kind of the way you have to win in the playoffs. And is it going to be harder for them to score? Yeah, it's going to be harder for them to score. There, there's no question. They Like, especially without um, Pacioretty, it's going to be harder to score after the rush for them. But in terms of the way they have mm-hmm. to grind you and the way they have to pressure you down low and keep the puck, you know, close to 200 feet from their net as they possibly can, that's the way they play. And I think that that's kind of what they bank on, is that they play a way that is hard to beat in the postseason, they play it all year long, and if anything is going to get them there, um, then that's going to be it. I, I think the now it's interesting because they played Buffalo on uh, Saturday afternoon, and Sunday was kind of held as a practice day, and you know it, it was, and they ultimately decided to practice, and you know I think that says to me that there's just a little bit of concern. They don't like the way it's going right now, so they. They got on the ice, and they worked on some things, and we'll see how it goes tonight in Ottawa. But I just think what they're banking on, Jeff, is just the idea that we play a way that's successful in the playoffs. I got to tell you, when we get this in inter- Brindamore interview done, we had a really interesting conversation about, like, how he thinks replay can work. Like, he talked – about it it had to be about five minutes and i and i tried to interject at one point he's like wait i haven't stopped yet and so like i was like okay i'm gonna sit back here <laughs> and, and let this one go and like he's like well this is gonna get edited and i'm like no like almost right there and uh, like on the youtube version and the podcast version we're just gonna run it but he has a pretty fascinating idea about how he feels replay should work and uh and uh you know, I, I think we're gonna run it this week. So uh, it was really well that's it awesome. was really interesting.
0: Fascinating guy, as we all know. Happy and proud dad that uh Quinnipiac, his son Skylar on that team, National Champions yeah. as well. Yeah, that's huge. Let, let, let me let me let me finish on this one. So tonight the Blackhawks face off against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, tomorrow the Blackhawks are in Pittsburgh and then they'll finish up the season Thursday against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, The team they beat uh, to reclaim glory that went back to 1961. Uh, In 2010, they beat the Philadelphia Flyers uh, to win their first Stanley Cup of this era, in the Secondary Six era, or whatever we're going to end up calling it. Um, So these are the two, or very well could be, the two final home games for Jonathan Taves as a Chicago Blackhawk.
1: It is Mm -hmm. very...
0: It is very, I don't want to say dangerous, but it's very sensitive talking about Jonathan Taves because of his, you know, recent history of health issues. I'm of the belief he still wants to play. Um, We all know where the Chicago Blackhawks are. We all know what happened this season and the conversations that went back to last summer. All I'm sort of getting at here for ages, this is going to be a tough week for the Chicago Blackhawks. I and mean, I had someone um, uh, tweet in on the on the, the question of the day, and you know I, I, I kind of like the way that he put it. Uh, where is it? Patrick Weed said, um, as a Blackhawks fan, accepting the fact that the last two home games could be Taves' ride off into the sunset, the captain went down with the ship. When you look at that 2010 team, the one that won the Stanley Cup, beating the Philadelphia Flyers, and you look at what's happened now, it's true. Jonathan Taves, the captain, it's the last man off the ship if this is indeed it for the Chicago Blackhawks.
1: Well, that, that's a great way of putting it. I wish I'd thought of that. That's really well done by your uh, by your tweeter, your listener there. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, I, I think actually, you know, Jeff, to go back to it, like one of the biggest stories of the season, probably Patrick Kane, you know, being traded yeah. to the Rangers. I think that's, that's another one that should be added to your overall list. Uh, you know, I, I think that when you take a look at, you know, just how, kind of the news changed with that Kane story and kind of went up and down, and we're kind of seeing it the same with Taves. Is he going to retire? Is he going to play somewhere else? What's he going to do? I think on some level, all of this has happened because I don't think Kane and Taze ever believed there was a day they wouldn't be Chicago Blackhawks. Like, I think they thought they were going to be Chicago Blackhawks or they were going to be nothing. And I think for both of those players, like, I think the organization got to the point where they had – Emotionally understood, there was going to be a break before the players did, and so I, I think that that has affected both of them. I think the thing with Taze is, and, and I've heard the same like I've heard the same thing you had. I, I believe he wants to play, but I also believe that he, like you know, he's obviously gone through a lot uh, with his body and things like that, and and I think that on some level there's a there's a there's a thought of if I play can I be Jonathan Tays or close to what Jonathan Tays should be? So I, I think I think he's a guy internally who's got a lot going on in his head and a lot going on in his mind, and I think he'd like to play, but I, I don't know if he ever envisioned himself in another uniform. What does all that mean? Who's going to be interested in how effective can I be with everything my body's gone through? So I would guess at the end of this year, and I'm assuming that last home game is going to be very emotional, I would guess at the end of this year, I, I think it's probably going to come down to who's interested, what does that look like, and how does Taze feel about it?
0: Yep, I agree. And, and I'm with you. I always wonder which players, how should I phrase this? Well, we'll finish it with this one. I always wonder which players want to exit like Nicholas Lidstrom uh, where he was still yeah. getting Norris votes when he called it a career and walk away, and which players want to exit like Peter Forsberg, in that as long as someone wants to pay me, I still have the desire to play. Find me a boot, find me a skate that fits, uh, and I'll get out there and I'll I'll keep playing, right until the bitter end. We'll see what happens with Jonathan Taves, but it will be an emotional week for him, and an emotional week for Chicago Blackhawks fans as well. Uh, okay, glad you made it back from Ottawa. All rights, and we will catch up tomorrow, Fridge.
1: You know what now we're going to see Andy Fantilli's greatest talent and that is can he build an audience for David Amber?
0: <laughs> can he build it's right Amber's coming up top of the hour it's yeah. his job to uh, to pull the crowd together the carnival bar, carnival barker get everyone under the tent because Amber's coming up at the top of the hour we yeah. shall see. Everybody
1: Amber. knows we Amber can't hold an audience so can Andy Fantilli do it like that's what the they <laughs>
0: Here we go. Fantilia is coming up next. (laughs) Thanks for each.